The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man Jacob Goins here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this sunny and hot Tuesday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Again, hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. We've got a great show on tap for you today. Phone lines are open. Give me a call. Anything on your mind in the sports world, I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to me. Call in. Let's talk about anything you want to talk about, whether it's Auburn, whether it's Auburn football, Auburn basketball, something else with Auburn. If you want to talk about something else going on around the sports world, whatever it may be, call in, be on the line. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Well, we are 25 days away from the college football season for Auburn getting underway. Can you believe it? 25 days away. That is It's crazy, right? It seems like we were just talking about 75. We were just talking about 100 or 50 or whatever it may be. But the countdown to football season continues. We are 25 days away from September 3rd. So Auburn gets started in 25 days, folks. Are they ready? That's the big question right now. They have some time to get there and get ready for it. But 25 days is not that many days between now and when the football season starts and... What we've got to talk about today is some of the reports coming from practice today. Uh, Lots of talk about the quarterback situation and the wide receiver situation. So we're going to talk about all of that here on the show today. Um, Just getting some of the reports back from from practice about what was happening, what they saw uh, out there today from the media. So we're going to talk about that today. Also, we're going to talk about the new TV deals that are happening between the Big Ten, the SEC, uh, with ESPN and Fox and CBS and NBC, all of that stuff. We're going to talk about all of that as well and so much more. So again, if you want to call in, be involved, be a part of the show, I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Well, Auburn had practice today, the second week of camp, and practice is officially underway. They had an off day yesterday, and The couple of notes that I've seen so far from practice, I was unable to go, but the notes that I've seen from practice were that there was a lot of work with the quarterbacks, there was a lot of drills and reps for the quarterbacks, where you saw, at times, you saw all four guys go, TJ Finley, Zach Calzada, Robbie Ashford, and Holden Gariner. You saw all four of them go at times, and then there were some times where not all four of them went, and uh, some reps where TJ Finley was leading the way. And and look, there's there's only so much that you can buy in on and really go in on 
as we're just now starting the second week of practice in the fall, as we are on August 9th, right? You got 25 days until the season starts. And so how much can you buy in on what we saw today versus what we see tomorrow versus what we saw yesterday, right? You have good days and you have bad days. From what I am seeing, today may not have been the best day of practice for Auburn. And you know what? That's okay. Not every single day of practice is going to be a good day of practice, right? I was at football practice last night for Lee Scott Academy. They had a good practice last night. Doesn't mean they're going to have a good one today. Doesn't mean they're going to have a good one tomorrow. That's how football works, folks. That's how sports work. So you can't buy in fully to every single practice because some days are good and some days are not. What I'm seeing from today was maybe it wasn't the best day of practice for some of the position groups. And you know what? It happens and it's okay. But what I'm seeing is lots of work from the quarterbacks and maybe some some struggles on the side of the wide receivers, right? I think there was a lot of drops today. There was a lot of timing issues between the quarterback and the wide receiver from the stuff I was reading. That is concerning, right? That is kind of concerning to hear that there's a timing issue and an accuracy issue on the side of the quarterback. And it's also concerning to hear that there are still being passes dropped from the wide receivers. And uh, again, timing on their part as well, because it is a two-way street. Timing when it comes to quarterback and receiver is on both of the guys. you got to be on the same page before you can get your timing down and make sure you make the right, correct throw. So that is concerning a little bit to hear about uh, the quarterbacks maybe not having their best day, the wide receivers maybe not having their best day. But again, how much can you buy into one practice in the middle of August? Not a ton, unless it doesn't get any better. If we, are, if we continue to go to practice and we see the same things over and over and over again, then you have something to be worried about. It sounded like today that TJ Finley was the better quarterback at practice. Now, this is one day, but... From what I was reading, from what I was hearing, it sounds like he was more accurate than other quarterbacks. His timing was better than any of the other quarterbacks. And you know what? Maybe he had a good day. And maybe the other ones didn't have a good day. Uh, that does not change my, my thought process on who's going to be the starting quarterback on this football team. That does not change my opinion of who's going to be the starting quarterback on this football team. That does not change the way I think about these quarterbacks. All four of them, right? You talk about TJ Finley and Zach Calzada and Robbie Ashford and Holden Garner, right? We we all have sort of figured out the two that lead the pack, and then it's everybody else. It's between Zach Calzada and TJ Finley. TJ Finley's the returning starter, quote unquote. He did finish the season last year, so he is the returning quarterback in the room. But you have a guy like Zach Calzada who transfers in from another big-time SEC school, and he comes in, and he is the, uh, however you want to call it, the big man on campus, right? He's the big guy, the big name in the room. He is the, he's the guy that's supposed to come in and take the starting job. Now, whether he does or not, we're going to find out. I think he will. I think he should. But if he struggles through fall practice, he may not get it. And I'm not saying that this is something that's going to happen every day. I'm not saying that uh, that 
this is something that's going to happen and be the case in 25 days when Auburn takes the field. But from what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, we got some room to grow and they got some things to work on. And you know what? That's okay. Auburn's not alone here, folks. Every other team around the country is in this exact same situation, whether it's their quarterbacks, whether it's their linebackers, whether it's the the secondary, whether it's the kicking team. Every team has problems right now. That's why you're doing fall camp. That's why you're having fall practices, to get these things figured out, to get these things straightened out before the season starts in 25 days. So every team has problems, which is fine. But how do you fix them? How do you make them better? And how do you make sure that these problems and liabilities that you see right now are not present in 25 days when Auburn takes the field? And how do you make sure that they're not present once week three hits when you play a real opponent for the first time? Because unfortunately, and we've talked about this before, with Auburn's schedule this year, unfortunately, you start with two easy games where it's, it's easy for some of the problems and some of the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, really, uh, some of the problems can slip through the cracks, right? When you play that weaker opponent and you play that team that you are supposed to beat and you are going to beat by uh, multiple, multiple touchdowns more than likely, it's easy to overlook some of the minor problems that you may have on the team. Right, So some of those things that we see in those first two games where you're like, you know, that should have been better. I wish the wide receivers catch more balls or uh, the, the linebackers close the hole faster or the defensive line get more sound. Whatever it may be, the little things that you want to fix, it may be a little bit more difficult if starting out with these two smaller games. That's why fall practice is a thing, and that's why practice is so important. That's why scrimmages are so important. Auburn's first scrimmage is on Saturday. This is where, historically, for Auburn and a lot of other schools, we find out a lot of information from these scrimmages. We find out a ton of information from these scrimmages for Auburn over the years. We learn who's taken the lead at certain positions. We learn who has developed a lot more than others. We have learned who has gotten better from last year to this year. We've also learned where some of the new guys stand right now on the team, whether it's their status or their skill set or their physicality, right? How in shape these guys are. All of those things are, are stuff that we have learned over the years throughout these scrimmages. And so Auburn's first one is on Saturday. What are we going to learn from that? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out exactly where this team is at. Who's good, who's not, who has to get better, who's doing the right things. And that's exciting. That gives us some stuff to look at and think about and and assess and figure out where this team is. Same thing for the coaches. They get to look at this and say, okay, this is where we are. This is what we got to get better at. We're, We're three weeks away, right? We're over three weeks away right now, but by the time Saturday's here, you'll be three weeks away. That's crazy. That's not a whole lot of time. And think about this. Think about if there are some major problems on this team in some positions that we don't know about. You only have three weeks to fix it. That's not a lot of time at all if you have major problems. And I'm not saying there is because I don't know. But the things I'm hearing from practice today about some of the receivers struggling to catch the football, quarterbacks having some some timing issues and some accuracy issues – 
That's not a great sign, but don't buy into it just 100% because this is just one day of practice. And again, other position groups are doing just fine. And these position groups may be doing just fine. It may just not have been their day. But Brian Harson had some quotes after practice, and he was asked about the wide receiver room. He said he had no complaints. He was fine. So maybe he's not too worried about it. We're going to find out if he's worried about it or if he should be worried about it, right? Can they get better through practice? And that's what you want to see. You want to see these guys get more comfortable. You want to see the right guys getting the right amount of reps. And you want to see the timing type of issues get fixed over these next three weeks. And those types of issues, okay, take this timing, the, the timing being off between quarterback and wide receiver. Take this example. Right now, these guys have not practiced with each other very much. They have just started fall practice, just started fall camp. They've only been on the field with each other a handful of times. They're not going to be perfect right now, but they've got three weeks to figure it out. And the good thing about having those two smaller games is you can use those games as ways to practice yourself and practice with your quarterback and get those reps. Treat it like a game because it is. But you're getting those reps, and that's what the games are against those smaller opponents. It's just more reps. So you get more comfortable with the quarterback, and the quarterback gets more comfortable with the receivers. You get on the same page on the plays, right? You, you know what's going on. So those types of things get worked out over time. And no, Auburn doesn't have a ton of time, but they do have a little bit. And so the notes coming from practice today – Again, lots of work for the quarterback position, lots of work for the wide receiver position, and again, maybe they didn't have their best day. Maybe they just had an off day, or maybe they're just not where they need to be right now. But I know for you as a listener, hearing bad things about the wide receiver room is not very comforting, and hearing that they're dropping balls again is not very comforting, and hearing the fact that the quarterbacks were, were not as accurate today as we would like them to be That's not super comforting, but it is just one practice. And you can kind of take it like you want to. I mean, you can either blow this thing out of proportion and just say, oh, quarterbacks and wide receivers are terrible. We're screwed. The whole season's done for. Or you can say, you know, maybe it was a bad day. Or maybe they're just not where they need to be right now. And you know what? That's totally okay. It's only August, what, 9th? Yeah, it's August 9th. They have 25 days to figure it out. They have 25 days to get where they need to be. I'm confident in that. But maybe not everybody is. But that's what fall practice is about. I just wanted to kind of talk about some of the notes that I was seeing and hearing today from fall practice. I've been tied up all day long here, so I was not able to go or, or see, uh, see the practice for myself. But those are some of the things that I saw and was hearing about from practice today. Again, It's one solo practice. You cannot put everything into each individual practice because some days are good, some days are not. And let's just be honest, this team is not where they need to be right now. No team is. You're still 25 days out. No team right now in college football is where they need to be. You got 25 days to get to that point, whether you're Auburn or anybody else.
Hey, we're off and running here in hour number one on this Tuesday edition of On the Line. What do you think about fall practice so far? What do you have to say about anything going on in the sports world? Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Call in. Be on the line. Be a part of the show. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. When we come back, question of the day right after this. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Obelika Sports Leader. Talking about the notes from Auburn football's practice today and uh, word on the street is... uh, Wide receivers had some drop balls today, and we know that is a concern from last year. It's something that uh, really, I mean, really hurt Auburn last year at times. Wide receivers either not getting open or not catching the ball. I mean, that's pretty much your job as a wide receiver besides blocking on certain plays. I mean, your job is to get open and catch the football. So question of the day kind of revolves around that, and it's talking about it's talking about this current roster right now, the wide receivers on Auburn's football roster right now. Okay, so we'll talk about who that is in just a second, but question of the day to you is this. Are you worried? Are you still worried about the wide receiver room at Auburn right now? That's the question of the day to you. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to me, 334-321. 1390 are you still worried about the wide receiver position for Auburn football right now well let's look at the wide receivers and let's talk about them a little bit and whether we're concerned about it or not you have Coy Moore the sophomore Tarveris Dawson right the redshirt freshman you have Jay Fair Jarvarius Johnson Dezayla Worsham Shedrick Jackson Landon King Malcolm Johnson Jr. Camden Brown Omari Kelly, Jackson Billings, Tommy Nesmith, Trent Mason, Xavion Capers, J.J. Evans, and Jake Cruz, Colby Stafford with Johnson. There's a, there's a lot right there, right? But when you talk about the guys that are supposed to be making a big-time impact in the wide receiver room, it's guys like Coy Moore, and it's guys like Javarius Johnson, and it's guys like Tarveris Dawson Jr. who has gotten a ton of praise from Auburn coaches so far uh, coming out of the summer and early on in this fall camp. Uh, Dawson has gotten some, uh, some of the most praise from all the position players or uh, from all the players on the team, like at everybody who's there. The coaches have really, really, really liked the redshirt freshman in this wide receiver room. He's 5'10", 161 pounds, but the coaches have loved uh, just his his work and his improvement and his skill set so far throughout fall practice, fall camp. He has gotten a ton of praise from Auburn coaches so far. You look at some guys, is, you know, possibly DeZalen Worsham, maybe Shredrick Jackson, Landon King. Those are the guys that I'm looking for. Amari Kelly, those are some of the guys that I'm looking at to to make the biggest impact. So if you ask me the question, Am I still worried about the wide receiver room at Auburn? Yes, I am. I am still worried about it because we just don't know what we're going to see this year. And I think how last year ended and how last year just went overall with the receivers, 
It's okay to be worried about it. I know a lot of you are, right? I know a ton of you are still worried about the wide receiver room, and that's okay because, again, last year was not a great year for the receivers, and you don't know what you're going to see this year. You, you just don't know. We don't know what the difference is going to be from last year to this year if there's a difference at all, right? It could be the exact same story as last year. I don't think that's going to be the case. Do I think the receivers are going to be better this year? Yes, I do. And I think you're going to see some guys really step up in that wide receiver room and have good years. So I'm not worried about that. I do think they're going to be better. But as I sit here right now on August 9th, as we're 25 days away from the season, I am worried about it because that's not a guarantee that they get better. It's not a guarantee that they have a better year than last year. And it's not a guarantee that any of these guys have fantastic breakout seasons for Auburn. None of that's guaranteed. So, And you could say that for every team, but I guarantee you Alabama's not worried about their wide receivers. I guarantee Oklahoma isn't worried about the wide receivers on their team right now. right? I'm sure guys in schools like Texas A&M and Georgia and Ohio State those schools are not worried about their wide receivers because they know they got some dudes. Now, when you look at Auburn's roster and you look at Auburn's wide receivers, I think Auburn's got some dudes. And I think Auburn has some serious talent in this receiver room, but a lot of them are young. Okay, you look at it right now, sophomore, freshman, freshman, junior, sophomore, you do have a senior in Shredder Jackson. I expect him to have a big year sophomore, junior, freshman, freshman, sophomore, right? And then you have some of the guys, uh, some senior juniors uh, who have been there for a while, not, not really playing a whole lot. Uh, Xavier Capers, a junior, uh, and a couple of other guys who are freshmen. I mean, there's overall, the wide receiver room is young, and they have a lot of room to grow, and they have a lot to improve on. And again, with the notes coming out of practice today that – there were some drop balls and a lot of slant routes uh, across the middle that you couldn't get the timing down between quarterback and receiver. You couldn't hold on to the football. That's not what we're wanting to hear, and that's not promising news coming out of practice. So am I worried about the receivers in the receiver room? Yeah, I am. I am worried about it because that's important, and I think Auburn is going to have a quarterback this year that can throw the ball and throw it accurately and be good and not be, uh, I hate to say it this way, but not be a, a hurting factor for Auburn. So the quarterback position should be okay. There's no guarantee on that, but it should be with Zach Calzada at the helm because I still think he's going to be your QB1. You're going to have a guy that can throw the football. Can the receivers get open? And can they catch it? And can they do something after the catch, right? Uh, it's great if you can get open and catch it, but you always want to get those yards after catch. But first and foremost, catch the football, right? We saw that so much last year. It, there were so many games where Auburn could have put it away, won the game, done whatever, and the result would have been completely different if just a couple of times the receivers catch the football. That's the big thing. And so when you talk about this wide receiver room, it's not a lack of talent. And it's not a lack of work ethic. I don't think either one of those are true. I think there's serious talent in this room. And I, from what I'm seeing and hearing at practice, these guys are working like crazy. And that's not just the receivers. That's everybody. They're all working. And they're getting worked like a dog right now. 
So talent and work ethic is not an issue. I think it's just borderline doing it, right? We know these guys are good. We know these guys are talented, but can they put it together? And can you catch the football? And can you be an impact at your position as a wide receiver? Because you're going to have some of the pressure taken off of you with the tight end who sticks out like a sore thumb with John Samuel Shanker in a good way. But if you're a wide receiver right now for Auburn, you know the spotlight's on you. It's time to step up. And I think they can, but I am still worried. Hey, we're 30 minutes into hour number one. Stay tuned. We got a whole lot more coming up. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here in hour number one on this Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Well, some news in the world of college, uh, college football, college basketball today. Uh, around the television deals for some of the big-time conferences in college athletics. The Big Ten, which has been on ESPN for years, right? It's been on Fox and ESPN for a long, long time. ESPN uh, would have ESPN and ABC, right? They would have football and basketball for the Big Ten. We know it's kind of been a split between Fox and ESPN, but... Uh, Of course, ESPN has had the Big Ten for a long time. Well, today, the Big Ten in ESPN will be no more. Uh, According to uh, SBJ, the Sports Business Journal, ESPN has pulled out of the Big Ten media rights negotiations, ending one of the longest sports media relationships in the business. ESPN said no to the conference's final offer, of a seven-year, $380 million per year package, sources tell SBJ. Then uh, a story was written about it a little bit after. So seven years at $380 million, that's over $2 billion in that seven-year deal. And ESPN, they turned it down. ESPN said, we don't need the Big Ten. You remember why? They now have the SEC. In case you have forgotten, the SEC will now be on ESPN and ABC starting in just a couple of years. As early as 2024, possibly 2025, uh, I think it'll get done by 24. But if you obviously looking at the slate of college football right now, because that's the one that makes all the money, right? College basketball, yeah, it does okay. But college football is where all the money is on these TV deals. You look at it right now, Saturday morning comes, you wake up, and you're watching college game day on ESPN, and there's a game coming on at noon on ESPN, right? And it's normally either uh, sometimes it's an SEC game, but most of the time it's like an ACC game, right? It's, It's normally some game like that, but you flip over to Fox, and they have the big noon kickoff game. It's some big time Big Ten game, right? And then you come back and you go to CBS and you watch an SEC, the SEC 230 game on CBS, whether it's Auburn LSU or Alabama, Tennessee or Georgia, Florida, whoever it is, right? 230 on CBS, you flip over and you watch the, the game of the week on CBS, that SEC game. 
Then you go to ESPN and ABC and you watch some ACC matchup. You watch Clemson play Florida State or whoever it may be, right? Well, now that's all going to change because the Big Ten is now making a deal to have three separate big-time networks broadcasting Big Ten football games. Fox, CBS, and NBC. ESPN is no longer a part of this. ESPN will not be broadcasting Big Ten football or Big Ten basketball. And so here's what a Big Ten Saturday could look like. This I'm reading an article on Yahoo Sports. Here's what it could look like. A noon Big Ten game on Fox, a 3.30 Eastern time, so a 2.30 our time, Big Ten game on CBS. We're going to talk about that in just a second. And a primetime game on NBC. And according to SBJ, Big Ten games will also air on FS1, so Fox Sports 1, and the Big Ten Network with Peacock, NBC's streaming service, also in the mix. There's also... Uh, apparently, according to The Athletic, a streaming package with Amazon or Apple that could be a part of the deal. So uh, there's some type of package you can buy through Amazon or Apple TV to stream some of the Big Ten games. But think about how weird this is. How weird this is. The noon game on Fox is fine. We're used to that. But then when that game goes off, you flip over to, to CBS at 2.30, and it's a Big Ten game. 2.30 CBS, you flip the TV on... It's Maryland-Penn State. 2.30 on CBS Saturday, you flip it on, it's Ohio State and Michigan. Man, isn't that just weird? Or it's uh, whoever, right? Purdue and Indiana. Whatever the game of the week is in the Big Ten, that's going to be the 2.30 game on CBS. So the iconic SEC on CBS music, the SEC on CBS logo with the commentators and the crowds and all of the graphics and everything like that that we have all watched for so long, it's been my whole life, which is really crazy because, look, I'm young, right? I'm 22 years old, and my entire life watching Auburn football and watching SEC football, it's been on CBS. That 2.30 game is SEC football on CBS. When Auburn plays LSU, it's 2.30 on CBS. When Auburn plays Georgia, 2.30 CBS. When Auburn plays in the Iron Bowl, 2.30 on CBS. When Auburn plays Texas A&M, 2.30 CBS. As long as those two teams are halfway decent, Auburn and those other schools like that, that game is on CBS. Georgia-Florida, it's on there. Alabama-Tennessee. Alabama-LSU is always that night game on CBS, right? That normally 7, 8 o'clock kickoff, always on that night game on CBS. Those types of games always happen, 2.30 on CBS. But you know what? That's no longer a thing. That will now be the 2.30 game on ESPN. There will no longer be that 8 o'clock kick on CBS once a year for Alabama-LSU. That's going to be on ESPN or ABC. So that primetime game where college game day goes a lot or the college game day crew goes and calls, that's going to be on ABC now. And the Big Ten's going to have three different channels that their games are going to be on. And so, first of all, good for them. Because the more places you get your games, the better off you're going to be. The more people that see it, the more exposure you get, which means you're getting your money's worth out of these big-time deals. They're going to have games on Fox, they're going to have games on CBS, and they're going to have games on NBC. They're going to be streaming games, they're going to have packages. 
The Big Ten's killing it. I mean, they are. The Big Ten is absolutely killing it on TV deals. And that's why they want to keep going after big-time schools like UCLA and like USC. They're killing it, and they're going to get more. And you know what? Them getting NBC, that's going to bring in Notre Dame. I guarantee Notre Dame it will eventually join the Big Ten because if the Big Ten wants to keep going after schools, it would just make sense for them to go after Notre Dame. And now that NBC is in the mix and part of the TV deals, we all know that Notre Dame has their individual uh, TV rights with NBC. I mean, that just makes sense at this point, right? For them to just join together and be a part of the same thing, I think it'll, it'll end up happening. And one thing you got to remember... When you're talking about these TV deals and you're talking about conference realignment and all of that stuff, it's not about the schools. It's not about the conferences. It's about that TV money. It's about the money. That's what they're thinking about. They don't care about the geography part of it, obviously. Now that UCLA and USC are part of the Big Ten, that's obviously out the window. They're not thinking about the student-athletes. Never have, never will. They're worried about that money. How can the conferences and the schools make the most money? And it's with TV deals. They're about to be paying, what I say, $350 million, $380 million a year on a seven-year deal. The Big Ten offered seven years $380 million, and ESPN said no. And so now the, the Big Ten said, okay, we've got Fox. CBS and NBC will broadcast on those channels. And ESPN said, that's fine. We've got the SEC. We don't need you. And so now ESPN will have their 12 o'clock game or or that 11 o'clock, whatever it is, that 12 o'clock game, the afternoon game, and then the evening game, not just on ESPN, but on ABC. And not just on those, on ESPN Plus and on the ESPN app and watch ESPN, all of that. It's all coming together. And eventually, what's going to happen, eventually what's going to happen is you're going to have all these different services. We're seeing it right now. You're going to have to pay to watch college football specifically. You're going to have to pay all these different providers a certain amount of money, a, a subscription, if you will, to watch these certain conferences and watch these certain games. It's going to happen. Eventually, it will happen. Not right now, because there's still way too much money in it, but eventually you're going to be able to pay, or not even be able to, they're going to make you pay a subscription to watch your team in your conference. It's going to happen, I'm telling you. It's absolutely going to happen. Because eventually what's going to happen is ESPN and a lot of these other big-time stations and networks, they're going to come to you directly. And a lot of them already are, but even more so than what they already are. Think about that now. Eventually, you're not going to be able to buy what DirecTV or YouTube TV or whatever you're using to watch live television right now. Eventually, you won't be able to get ESPN through them. You're going to have to get ESPN straight through Disney. You're going to have to pay them a buttload of money to get what you want to watch. And we're already seeing that happen with all of these different streaming services and, and just so many different entities and, and access ways to get different content. It's only going to get worse. 
And you're seeing it right now with these big-time college conferences, college football conferences, signing these big-time TV deals. This will hold it off for a little bit. But the game of college football as we know it, watching it on TV, has completely changed. It's all flipped. How weird is it to watch the Big Ten on CBS? Somebody on Twitter, and I don't know who did it. It was impressive, but it made me feel really weird. <laughs> they took the, the iconic CBS music that you hear on Saturdays when you're watching the SEC, and they put together a big uh, Big Ten highlight reel of like two minutes long, and they put that music behind it, and it just didn't feel right. It did not feel right at all. It, it kind of made you like cringe a little bit. You're like, oh, I don't know about this. It was highlights of Maryland and Michigan State and Penn State and Purdue and Ohio State. You know how CBS does their little their intro videos and coming in and out of commercials and stuff like that, teams celebrating, all that type of stuff. Somebody did that, but with Big Ten schools, and it, it was weird, man. It, it just didn't even feel right, but that's what's about to happen. That's exactly what we're about to see is on Saturdays, you're going to watch Fox, CBS, and NBC for Big Ten football. You're going to watch ESPN and ABC for the SEC. And it's all changing. And it's crazy how it's literally doing a giant flip, but that's exactly what's happening. Because you look at somebody like Fox, they have 60% stake in the Big Ten network. They're a very heavy hand in that. So their big noon kickoff, that's their biggest game. Whoever plays that noon, big noon kickoff on Fox, that's their game of the week for the Big Ten right now. But how is that going to change when CBS and NBC get involved? Because CBS is still going to have their 230 game, right? That's their big time game. But is that going to be the game of the week? I'm not sure. CBS may not get that biggest game. Depends on who pays more money. That's what CBS does right now with the SEC. That's why Auburn's game against Penn State is at 3.30 and not a night game. Because CBS got their pick first because they paid the most money. That's what's going to happen here. I'll be interested to see how that is affected and how uh, the, the, the games within the conference and within the conference schedule, how those get impacted because of so many different uh, networks being a part of this. I'm curious to see how that's going to go. But I think the SEC is in a fine position. You're doing just fine if you're strictly all of your games, football, basketball, what have you, if they're all strictly on ESPN and ABC. I think you're going to be just fine. You're not making as much money. The Big Ten makes more money and their schools get more money in a TV deal than what the, that the SEC does. That's why you saw UCLA and USC go to the Big Ten. They can offer more money right now. You wouldn't think that's the case, but it is. And when they go after Notre Dame and they eventually get Notre Dame, they're going to make a lot of money because Notre Dame is worth so much money. Whether you like them or not, they're worth a lot of money because they've got viewers and fans everywhere. I mean everywhere. They've got them all over the country. That's what makes a team and a school like Notre Dame so valuable. But look, we're watching the whole landscape of college football on TV change in front of our eyes. It's going to be weird. It is. It's going to be really weird. And again, on Saturdays, you're going to watch a Big Ten game on Fox, a Big Ten game on CBS, and a game on NBC for the Big Ten. You're going to watch SEC games on ESPN and ABC all day long. You're going to hear different broadcasters. You're going to see different TV styles. You're going to see different graphics, different scoreboards. So we know what they all look like, right? We all watch ESPN, ABC, CBS. We all watch those channels. 
but you are we're also accustomed to okay 2:30 CBS on Saturday SEC game of the week big noon kickoff on Fox is Big Ten that'll remain the same ESPN kicking off at noon that's normally an ACC type of matchup or even like an AAC matchup or something like that that's going to be SEC and they're going to play the Southeastern Conference all day long those are things we're going to have to adjust and it's going to look weird and it's not a huge adjustment all you do is change the freaking channel but it is going to look weird and it's something we got to adjust but think about the money that's being thrown around right now it's unbelievable 380 million dollars per year on a seven-year deal the big 10 is now leaving espn they'll be with cbs nbc and fox Let's take our final break here in hour number one. We'll come back, wrap it up with some Atlanta Braves talk. We didn't get to it yesterday, but don't worry. We're going to talk about the Braves today. Stay tuned. We'll talk about them when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Well, we didn't get to it yesterday talking about the Atlanta Braves, but we got just a minute or two here. We'll also talk about it in making headlines to start hour number two. But uh, looking at the, the last series for the Braves against the Mets, it did not go as planned uh look I was worried going into the series for the Braves against the Mets I won't lie Uh, I was worried about it especially playing five straight at the New York Mets that worried me uh I thought the Braves would probably lose the series but I thought they could at least hang around a little bit uh and make it maybe a 3-2 series no they got beat four to one (laughs) um it was a five game series the Braves they lose the first game six to four on Thursday they win the second game nine to six on Friday and then doubleheader Saturday they lose eight to five six to two and then on Sunday they lose five to two and so far the Braves look and they they faced some unbelievable pitching for for the New York Mets I mean the last two games they had to go up against Scherzer and DeGrom so and DeGrom came out uh, off the injury his first game and just absolutely dominated the Braves and just put it on them made them look silly and look when you have a guy like DeGrom who comes back from injury and just pitches lights out he breaks a couple of records with strikeouts I mean what are you supposed to do right what are you supposed to do if you're the Braves Uh, again I was wanting them to to kind of keep it uh, like a 3-2 series right instead of going to New York you drop four out of five of course you split the series with the Phillies the series before so you're not doing hot. Like you're not doing that good. You're one in five in your last six games. Uh, if you're the Braves, not not super clean. But you do have some games uh, here in the next couple of days to try to make up for it. Boston and Miami before you come home and play the Mets and the Astros for the Braves. It's time to get it going. Hour number one officially in the book. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up.
on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. I'm your man Jacob Goins here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. Sun is shining here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. If you missed any of our number one, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. I will upload that immediately following today's show. So make sure you go and find that. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It's commercial free. So make sure you go and listen to it. If you missed any of our number one or any of my previous shows, you can go and find that. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast, or you can go to ESPNAU.com. That's ESPNAU.com. Go and click on the Podcast Center, and you'll find it right there as well. So search on the line wherever you get your podcast or ESPNAU.com. Phone lines are open here in hour number two. Call in. Let me hear from you. I'd love to uh, to talk to you about anything on your mind in the sports world. Give me a call. 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to me. 334-321-1390. Call in. Be a part of the show. Be on the line. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Well, as we always do in hour number two, let's start with making headlines here on Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. We are 25 days away from Auburn football kicking off the season. That's right. Countdown to kickoff officially is uh, still on, right? 25 days from September 3rd when Auburn takes the field for the first time in 2022. Crazy to think we're only 25 days away, right? I mean, it really, really feels like we were just talking about the 100-day mark and the 75-day mark. Uh, It's just unbelievable how fast time is going. Uh, High school football gets going next week. Uh, For myself, I know a couple of teams are playing this week, which is crazy to me. But look, it's all coming up super fast. We're 25 days away from Auburn kicking off the season. And as we get into making headlines, we're going to talk about Auburn football a little bit, talk about some updates from practice. Uh, talk about some positions that got some work in today and some of the guys that got some praise as well. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But as we get into making headlines here on Tuesday, August 9th, 2022, the Big Ten has or in the works of reaching an agreement to leave ESPN and they will be joining and having their games broadcasted on Fox CBS and NBC. That's right, ESPN, the longtime partner with the Big Ten, broadcasting so many of their games in football and basketball over the years. They will no longer be a part of it. ESPN and the Big Ten could not come to an agreement. Uh, The offer was seven years, $380 million per year was the conference's final offer to ESPN and the big-time media company said, nope, we're good. We've got our conference. We don't need you. We have SEC. We don't need the Big Ten. And so now the Big Ten is going to Fox, CBS, and NBC 
And it's going to look weird, folks, because if you remember, uh, in just a couple of years, the SEC will no longer be on CBS. It'll be strictly on ESPN and ABC. So that 2.30 game on CBS, it won't be an SEC matchup. It won't be Auburn, Alabama. It won't be Georgia, Florida. It won't be uh, Tennessee and Arkansas, whoever it is. That will no longer be the game. It's going to be a Big Ten game now. 2.30 on CBS, so get used to that. It's going to be weird, but that is what is happening today. ESPN is officially out of the running to get the Big Ten. They are, uh, I guess they're content with the SEC, and I mean, it's not a bad thing by any means, but the uh, ESPN is content with the SEC, and the Big Ten will now be broadcasting or having their games broadcasted on Fox, CBS, and NBC. And again, the SEC will strictly be on ABC and ESPN. That is happening uh, 2024-2025. Of course, Texas and Oklahoma will be here by that point. So uh, ESPN, I guess they just felt that they were they were good enough with, with the SEC uh, and football and basketball. Look, we know how big the SEC is and we know how good it is. But the Big Ten is still bringing in more money by TV deals. They're still making more money for their schools, for their TV deals. And look, I think with NBC getting involved in this, I think there's a really, really big possibility that Notre Dame will eventually become part of the Big Ten. I think it is something everybody has thought of for a long time. Everybody wants Notre Dame to do that. It just makes the most sense. Uh, And I think now that NBC is a part of the Big Ten TV deals. I think that would really, really make sense for Notre Dame and the Big Ten uh, for them to come together and and the and Notre Dame to join the Big Ten Conference. It just makes sense, y'all. It just makes sense for that to happen. So, uh, of course, we know that Notre Dame's TV package deal is in their their rights are with NBC. And so now that that is part of the Big Ten, I just think that makes sense. And I think eventually that will happen. Moving on in making headlines here on Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. We did not have a chance to talk about this one yesterday, and it's something that has taken the college football world kind of by storm. Uh, Oklahoma's wide receiver coach, he resigned after 20-plus years on the job uh, after he basically, from what I could see in practice, or not in practice, excuse me, in a film session with his players, Uh, He picked up a player's iPad and and was reading some stuff off of it, and apparently he used a word that was very offensive and, and again, offensive to to the players and to anybody who heard it, and uh, he he resigned, right? He he realized that he said it. Uh, There were reports saying that he said it multiple times. Uh, Head coach Brent Venables released a statement yesterday talking about it, but Pretty much as soon as it happened, the wide receiver coach he resigned. I mean he he uh, he turned his he turned his in his reg- wow excuse me he turned in his resignation and uh, realized that he had messed up. He said that's not who he is. He he understands his his mistake and he turned in his resignation. He is officially done. He's the brother of Mike Gundy, uh, Oklahoma State's he- head coach. In case you were wondering, it was there is a relationship there. So. Look, you hate to see it, but you got, I mean, in today's world, we know how it is. You can't say things like that. I mean, and, and we don't know the specific language that he used, but I think uh, we can 
I mean, we obviously know it was something he should not have said, and he realized his mistake, and he, he owned up to it, and he, he resigned. And so what you hate to see is, A, that it happened because you don't want those types of things being said and that being in any type of situation. But, B, you're talking about a guy that was a coach at Oklahoma for over 20 years. And think about the wide receivers that he coached and think about the talent that he had the chance to be a part of. And there were a lot of players coming out afterwards saying that that's not the type of person that he is. They came out and backed him up. But at the same time, man, I mean, you, you can't you can't use the language, whether you were saying it or whether you were reading it or whether you meant to or whether whatever it may be, you just can't do it. And so that is the story on that. That broke yesterday. We did not have a chance to talk about it, but Oklahoma's wide receiver coach has resigned. Moving on and making headlines, the Braves over the weekend, uh, they had a big series against the, the Mets, but they were not able to capitalize at all. In a five-game series at the New York Mets, they lose four of five. They've now lost five of their last six, dating back to uh, August 3rd in that two-game series against the Philadelphia Phillies. They won that first game against the Phillies. They lost the second game. And then starting on Thursday, they had a five-game series at the New York Mets. And again, they dropped four of five. It is, uh, let's see, looking at Thursday, they lost 6-4. to four. They win 9-6 to six on Friday. They lose 8-5 to five on Saturday. They lose 6-2 to two Saturday night in the doubleheader. And then 5-2 to two on Sunday. And right now for the Braves, it's, I mean, those were some big games that you needed to have. Now, you do have a chance to play the Mets in just a couple of weeks. Uh, they do the Mets come to Atlanta, so you got to try to make up some ground there. But when you look at the standings, they're now seven games back, are the Atlanta Braves of the New York Mets. They got it all the way to one at some point uh, just a couple of weeks ago, but now it is a seven game lead for the New York Mets, sitting at 71 and 39. That's a really, really good record. Uh, they are playing some fantastic baseball right now as their pitchers are getting healthier as well. It's dangerous times for the Atlanta Braves that they're seven games back of the New York Mets. They're also just three games ahead of the Philadelphia Phillies. So you got to be careful and don't let the Phillies uh, come up and take control of that second place spot and when you look at the Mets their 71 and 39 record that's tied for second in all of baseball with the New York Yankees and the Dodgers have quietly come up with the best record so far at 75 and 33 we'll talk a lot more about baseball tomorrow on the Wednesday MLB update here on on the line so make sure you stay tuned for that uh tune in that'll be really good we'll always go over uh the standings and what's going on around the game of baseball but for your Atlanta Braves they had a big series they were not able to take advantage they have a couple of I want to say easier uh, that's what I want to say. Easier series coming up. Uh, a couple of games against the Boston Red Sox. A couple of games against the Miami Marlins. But then you turn right back around and you play the New York Mets in a four-game series at home and then a three-game series against the Houston Astros at home. I think it will be good for Atlanta to get back home after a rough stretch uh, at New York. So we'll see how that goes. But as of right now, the Braves, you got to start winning some games. You're falling behind of the New York Mets. Moving on and making headlines, this one broke today, and it was, uh, honestly, I thought it was going to be sooner than this, but it is officially uh, official. Serena Williams, the, I mean, probably the best, if not, I mean, the best 
women's tennis player to ever do it. She announced her retirement today. Uh, She will be retiring after the U.S. Open. Serena Williams will be. So that is the news. Today is Serena Williams. The tennis legend will be retiring. We'll talk about that more in just a second. Let's head to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Yeah, this is Dan. Hey, Dan. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. What you got Uh, for me? Yeah, when you were talking earlier about receivers, I read the article that, or one of the articles that came out, and it said that uh, I guess Tavarius Johnson dropped four passes in the limited time that they could watch, mm-hmm. and then Shedrick got in trouble catching the ball. But they said um, Dawson, they said caught the ball well as as well as Camden Brown and uh, Capers, Xavier Capers. Yeah. So those are guys who I honestly expect to be a lot of the major weapons anyway. So, you know, and I'm sure as the receivers get more and more timing, you know, with the guys who are going to probably play the most or play more, then I'm sure that'll clean itself up. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting to, to kind of hear what's going on at, un, at practice. Unfortunately, I was not able to be there today, just had a lot of other stuff going on. But, you know, we're seeing and hearing some things that the wide receivers are still struggling to catch passes. But then you read the quotes from Brian Hartson, and he said he has no really no complaints. And, and yet – Traveris Dawson is one of the guys that's gotten the most praise all offseason or really in this first couple of weeks of camp. He's one of the guys that's gotten the most praise, but yet today he may have had uh, he may have struggled a little bit. But like I talked about in the first hour, guys have bad days at practice and there's a lot of talent on this team. There's a lot of talent on this roster for the wide receivers. It's really in these next three weeks, who's going to step up and show that they can make plays and ultimately, Dan, who can catch the football? Yeah. Well, I, I just think a lot of the guys that dropped past last year were the same guys that just dropped past in this practice. So I, I, I don't know. If they keep dropping passes, they're, they're not going to be in the starting lineup. Yeah, yeah, you're right about so. that. And, and we don't want them in the starting lineup if you can't catch the football. I mean, that's pretty much the job that you got. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm not worried about it. I think the right guys are eventually going to get those starting roles. They just got to get a little bit better and a little bit more consistent. Okay, I got one more other thing. On basketball, I'm assuming you watched some of the games or part of the games you had mentioned. Yeah. Um, you know, I watched all three games, and I was extremely impressed with how we played in that type of environment. And, you know, obviously they're very new with all the new faces and stuff. Um, I think we'll be a better team this year than last year because it looks like a team that can play well together. Yeah, and I think I, the low post guys are really good. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree that I think we're going to be a better team this year than we were last year. I talked about that a little bit yesterday. Uh, I think, you know, there's obviously no, there's no Jabari Smith on this team, but I think when you look at the team from top to bottom, I think there's some really good talent. There's a lot of depth on this Auburn basketball team, and I think this team can play better as a team versus last year where it was sort of just whoever had the ball was expected to do something with it, whereas this year I think there's a lot more people to go to at different times and in different situations. Uh, I was impressed by their games in Israel playing those teams. Uh, The time change, the rule changes, uh, the different basketball, whatever it is, I think Auburn looked really well. And this was the first time that they really played with each other against high-level talent. So I was very, very impressed. Yep. Can't wait. 
Appreciate it, guys. Absolutely, man. I appreciate the call. That was Dan here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You can call in as well, 334-321-1390. Yeah, I was impressed with Auburn basketball. I really was. Uh, just, just watching them play, especially in those first two games, you saw them blow the doors off of their opponent. They were better than those teams, and they out-talented those teams. But you did get to see where guys like Janai Broom and Yoan Treor are going to be really, really good basketball players, and they're going to be really, really good for Auburn. And even in that third game, uh, yes, or let's see, was that yesterday? Yeah, I guess that was yesterday. Uh, I'm getting all my days mixed up. But when you look at that game, uh, for Auburn, yes, they lost, but they battled down the stretch. They did not play great, and it was the first time that we saw this team. Obviously, they've only played a few games together. You got to see what they looked like when they were down by double digits, and you got to see what they looked like in times of, of really desperation when they were trying to to make a comeback. And you saw the fight. You saw the grit. Obviously, it didn't work out. They didn't end up winning the game. But those are things that you'll learn and remember later on down the road. And we talked to Jacob Hillman uh, yesterday about this. And uh, some he talked about some of the quotes from Bruce Pearl talking about how this trip, and, or excuse me, I think it was from Jay Billis, the color analyst on ESPN. He talked about how a trip like this for Auburn is is the same and has the same impact and the same learning uh I guess the same learning experiences as a full road SEC schedule. And that really means something that you ha- you're able to get this in the off season before you even start playing in the regular season. I think Auburn basketball is going to be really good. I think there's a lot, a lot of talent on this team. And Dan, I agree with you, my friend. I think this team will be better than last year's team. And I think it's okay that Auburn doesn't have a Jabari Smith type player. Sure, it's awesome and cool to have that type of player. But look, last year, Jabari Smith, as great as he was and as great as he still is, Auburn did not use him the way they should have. Auburn did not go to Jabari Smith when they were supposed to go to him. He should have been dropping 30 points a game easily, easily, and that was not happening. We got excited when he dropped 20 points a game because he didn't get the ball as much as he should have. Bruce Pearl's offense just doesn't run through a guy like that. They just don't. You got to have multiple guys that are very, very good instead of having that one generational talent. But looking across the team right now, I think there's a lot of guys that are really, really good and can all do similar things, but also a little bit different. Talking about Janai Broom, Yoan Treor, and then talking about the guards, talking about some shooters. I think Auburn basketball is going to be really, really good this year. Let's take our first break here in hour number two. When we come back, we'll continue some making headlines. And also, question of the day. We're going to cover all that in this next segment. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. More of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Continuing on with some of the headlines that we didn't get to earlier, uh, I was talking about Serena Williams, the legendary tennis player, uh, the most dominant women's tennis player probably in the history 
excuse me, the history of the sport, uh, one of the most dominant women athletes, one of the most dominant athletes in their respective sport uh, in the history of sports. I mean, just a unbelievable talent uh, Serena Williams was. She dominated the game of tennis. And, you know, you look at some of her stats, 23 Grand Slam titles, 39 total Grand Slam titles. Uh, She had 23 as a solo, 39 total. She played in some doubles as well. Four Olympic gold medals. I mean, just an unbelievable player. And, I mean, you put Serena Williams in the same category of Tiger Woods in the game of golf, Tom Brady in the game of football, Michael Jordan in the game of basketball. I mean, you put Serena Williams in those same categories of just dominant in their sport. Nobody compares. I just think she is one of the best to ever do it. Huge influence on on girls and women in sports. I think that's fantastic. And uh, you hate to see her go, uh, but she has announced her retirement. I mean, this lady played professional tennis when she was pregnant, y'all. I mean, that's crazy to think about. She was playing tennis when she was pregnant. Uh, She had a kid. She still played for a while, but she's been doing it for a long time, and she deserves to to enjoy her retirement. So best of luck to her. It was, I'm not the biggest tennis fan or watch tennis a whole lot, I'll admit, but Everybody knows how good Serena Williams was, and everybody knows how dominant she was in her sport. So congratulations to Serena Williams on a fantastic career, and uh, best of luck to her in retirement. A couple of more headlines here uh, before we get out of here for the bottom of the hour break. There is a, uh, let's see, there's an updated bracketology on ESPN for college basketball. And, you know, they update this every couple of weeks here throughout the offseason. And, again, you don't want to buy into these things too, too much, but it is interesting to look in and see where uh, Joe Lenardi is predicting Auburn to finish up, where he's predicting some of the SEC schools to finish up. And again, the season is not even close to starting. We still have months to go. But looking at the conference breakdown, uh, the SEC is tied with three other schools getting seven schools in, that seven uh, teams into the tournament. That's the lead right now. The Big Ten, the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC all tied getting seven schools in. Uh, let's see, Kentucky is still one of the number one seeds. You're looking around some of the SEC schools. Florida as a 10 seed. Alabama as a 6 seed. Uh, Again, Kentucky as a 1. Tennessee as a 2. They moved up a line, a seed line that is. You keep looking around. You have, uh, when you have SEC schools, Arkansas at 3. And then you have Auburn as a 4 seed in the Midwest. Texas A&M as an 8 seed in that bracket. Uh, let's see. I think that's it. Yeah, it is. So Auburn has a four seed right now in bracketology. I've been talking about every time we bring this up, because again, it gets updated like once every two weeks, maybe something like that. I've been talking about Auburn somewhere in between that two and five seed line. I think that's kind of where Auburn's going to live this year. Uh, when it comes to Auburn basketball, I don't see them getting a one seed, but I do see them being a higher seed in the tournament. Not saying that they can't get a one seed, but if I had to predict, I would say somewhere between the two and five mark uh, for Auburn basketball this year. Currently as a four seed, I think that's totally fine. You've got UC Santa Barbara, UAB, and San Diego State in that little bracket right now. Look, talking about Auburn again, of course we had a call about it just a second ago. Auburn basketball is going to be really good this year. 
I think they'll be better as a team this year than they were last year. I really do believe that. There's so much more talent from top to bottom this year. I think the guards, hopefully, will be improved. And no, you don't have a Jabari Smith, but you've got about five guys that are going to be dominant at their positions. I think Auburn basketball is going to be in a great, great spot this year. 30 more minutes here on this Tuesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more coming up. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Yesterday, I talked to Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. Uh, We talked about Auburn basketball's three games against the Israel teams, uh, the Israel Under-20 team, the Israel All-Star Select team, and the Israel National team. We talked about those games, the players that uh, he saw that really stood out to him, what to expect from Auburn coming out of this trip, and also some updates from Auburn football fall practice. And with us talking about Auburn basketball today, I wanted to play that for you in case you missed it because it was a great interview uh we have him on every week and i wanted to make sure that you heard that because he had a lot of good things to say about auburn basketball and some good things to say about auburn football as well so here's my interview with jacob hillman from the auburn sports network we have jacob hillman from the auburn sports network hillman we've got a lot to go over today auburn basketball and auburn football we'll start with basketball because we don't get to talk about it a whole lot in the month of august they wrap up their trip playing a couple of Israel teams. Of course, they played the Israel Under-20 team, the Israel All-Star Select team, and today the Israel National team. Before we dive into each game individually, just your overall takeaways from this trip against Israel. Yeah, I think the best way to describe it is how Jay Billis said it today, was that this trip, just these 10 to 11 days that they've spent together, has pretty much been the equivalent of a... uh, just a full season worth of road games and that's a big deal for a team and a program you know you only get to do this every four years so uh, going into the season there's going to be a lot of bonding that these teams or that this team has gone through and a little bit different than last season when you had a lot of new faces and they had to figure things out for that first month of the season now it feels like they've already, they already really know each other and they played together competitively so I really think that this no matter how you look at today's game or whatever uh, regardless, it was a positive trip for uh, just chemistry and team bonding and things like that, and really putting this program on the map, on the national map. As that, this is really the first time that these kind of exhibition games have been televised. Of course, Kentucky's getting that in Puerto Rico um, next week, or the Bahamas, I believe, and that that just makes a that, that's just a big deal for Auburn to be the first to do that. Yeah, we've talked a lot about the importance of these games being on SEC Network. Just being on TV in general, uh, this was a big thing for Bruce Pearl to get him on TV. I was talking to uh, Joey Blackwell from Bama Central back in the first hour, and Alabama's currently on their overseas trip, and theirs are not televised, and they're not streamed anywhere. They're having to keep up with live stats, so it's super, super big for Auburn to be on TV with these games. But let's talk about all three games. We'll talk about the first game last Tuesday as Auburn played the Israel under-20 team. They took care of business. They were playing some teenagers, but a good start for Auburn in this trip against Israel. 
Yeah, and I think that that is just how it works with these teams that are uh, that are younger and not as physical or physically demanding uh, as, say, the national team that they played today. I think that Auburn went out and did what they wanted to and did what they were supposed to, grabbing a ton of rebounds, passing the ball really well. I think it was 40-something assists in that game uh, that Auburn had, and that that's what Auburn wants to do and was able to do at will uh, against that under-20 team. And I think the, the physicality was, was its biggest advantage against of the under-20 uh, Israeli team. So just having that in your in, as your first game, that was pretty easy for Auburn to get comfortable and all those new faces to really get a feel for this offensive set and, and even the defense. So um, that, that's what was so impressive about that game was just that they went out and dominated like they should. And it was really the first time for us to really get a look at some of the newcomers in an Auburn uniform. Janai Broom transferring in. Of course, Yoan Treor and Chance Westry and Donaldson, right? We get to see those guys play against other squads for the first time. We're talking to Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network here on On the Line. Then yesterday was the first time we got to see Auburn play against somebody with a little resistance. And the first half was extremely close. Obviously, Auburn pulled away and was able to dominate in the second half. What were some of the things you liked from yesterday's win for Auburn? The defense was just unbelievable. I mean, Chance Westry, he almost got up to double-digit steals, which is just so impressive for a young player like that. And I really like his game on the defensive end, being such a big combo guard. He can guard one through three, and that's going to give Auburn a big advantage when uh, when you have a, a defensive lineup with, for example, Katie Johnson, Zepp Jasper, then Westry, and, and Janai Broom out there, and then whoever's at the center, whether that be Trey or Cardwell. That's a scary lineup for offenses to look at, and that's that's not even including Alan Flanagan, who, who is a great defender as well. So I, I really liked what I saw from Westry and everyone else on defense against the all-star select team, just able to just knock passes away and, and really convert them. I thought the, the, the fast break points were, were a big deal. You saw the highlight plays from Cardwell and, and, and Alan Flanagan. I thought one of the plays at the end of the first half yesterday, just that pass from Wendell Green to Alan Flanagan uh, off a rebound at the end of the, ha- the first half was just such a great play to see. And it was great to see Flanagan really uh, have that bounce and, and flush that dunk because – like we didn't see that a lot last year, but we saw it at sophomore year. So I was really impressed with the defense and, and how much they just swarmed to the ball and was able to create turn of, turnovers. And Hillman, in those first two games, we saw the newcomers like Treor really have dominant performances on the offensive end. Uh, I mean, he I think he had 20 points maybe in both games, somewhere around mm-hmm. in there. Uh, we saw guys like him, Janai Broom, the newcomers come in and really dominate. Yeah, Treor, I think, is going to be a special player. He's, he, he's so strong and physical. And, and, I mean, just some of those dunks he threw down, it, it shows what kind of bounce he has. But what I saw was he's not afraid to shoot the ball, and he, and he will make it. So that's a little bit different than what you've had from some of the bigs that Auburn has had recently, minus Jabari Smith, where you talk about the three-point shooting with them, but they aren't quite there uh, developed when they get to Auburn. I think Traylor has enough of a shooting ability where they're going to let him shoot it and he's going to be making them. So, uh, and, and this is obviously just at the beginning of his career. He, he hasn't even gone through full practices yet. So I, I'm really looking forward to Johan and how he is able to shoot the ball uh, once we get to the season because I think that he can really spread the floor when he's out there and, 
And like I said, he's so physically demanding down low that it's going to open up a lot of possibilities for the offense. We're speaking with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network here on On the Line. After two big-time wins for Auburn against the Israel Under-20 team and the Israel All-Star Select team, they come in today and they take a big step up in talent uh, in the opposition. They play the Israel national team, and they do lose 95-86 against a team of professional basketball players with a couple of NBA guys on the team. What were your takeaways from today's game as Auburn loses to the Israel national team? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the, the the level of competition was just so much higher. And, and Coach, Coach Pearl said it after yesterday is that this national team is 40 points better than the previous two opponents, opponents and he was exactly right. And it's something that you, you just got to deal with from a team standpoint of this was the third game they've played together without practicing very much. So, of course, it, things were going to be a struggle. And you could see it is that the fact that the national team's ball movement was so much better than the other two opponents that you can see the defense being out of place at times and it's not something that you're going to see as much during the regular season because they'll have gone through all those practices and and non-conference play so it's nothing I'm too concerned about at all because Auburn did keep it close cut the deficit very close at several points but um, I mean my goodness Aviat well, he he was a player and he, he he fouled out at the end and Auburn was just unable to catch back up but he did a great job and and really, really uh, uh, kept attacking uh, Auburn's defense. And I think he almost had 30 points, maybe not quite. But uh, I was still impressed by what uh, Flanagan and Treyor did against them because it's just it's just it's a different breed, those NBA players. So it was good to see them get some uh, action against him and show off defensive ability. Um, I was I was I was pleased with Auburn's play today, and I think part of it was that they did play two less lesser competitive teams and. You know, when you go against a physically demanding team like this national team, you've got to rebound better. And uh, I don't think they were on their A game with the rebounding department. We've got Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network here on On the Line. When you look across these three games against the Jerusalem teams for Auburn, who's a player that's a newcomer this year, whether they're freshman or transfer, that you were impressed with over these three games? And then I'm going to ask you the same thing about somebody who was on the team last year uh, playing this and, and, again, coming back this year. A player from each one of those categories that you were impressed with over these three games. Yeah, so all, all the newcomers impressed me very much. And um, the one I'll go with is uh, a Chance Westry because I, I don't think really the expectation was for him to come in and, and contribute a lot. You you knew that Broom and Treyor were going to be coming in to, uh, to start for this team after losing Smith and Kessler. But I think Westry has really put himself in position to uh, get valuable minutes this upcoming season behind Wendell Green, Zep Jasper, Katie Johnson, and just that defensive tenacity that he showed in Israel was was really impressive. So I'm looking forward to see his offense game improve and, and develop. And that might be a thing in, in non-conference game. We might be able to see it every single game, him improve. So uh, I'm excited to see him continue to develop and uh, see what kind of minutes he gets when the season starts. And as far as a returnee, it, it's I think both of these guys stood out to me for sure. Dylan Cardwell and Zep Jasper. Cardwell, he's just taking a step in every in every way. I think he's just looking better technically and just looks more comfortable out there. And then Zep Jasper, I mean, he shot the ball really well today. I think he was kind of your kind of your highlight uh, from the game today. Obviously, Wendell had 19 points and Broom had a double double, but Zep shooting 11, uh, scoring 11 points on 60 percent shooting, 
that it, that's a big deal because I think that's what Auburn missed a little bit of last year was when he was on the floor. Yes, his defense was incredible, but I think sometimes there were points where he was not doing much on offense, and it, it was almost four on five on the offensive end. But he 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 showed flashes really in the middle of conference play last year. I think against Oklahoma as well, where you saw the offensive potential. And if he's comfortable shooting the ball like he was today, then it, it opens up the offense again, kind of like I was saying about Trey or so. I want to see Zep Jasper really get confident shooting the ball, and uh, he looks like it today, so we'll see if that carries over into the season. We're speaking with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network here on On the Line. Back in hour number one, when I was breaking down these games and as the game was finishing up as Auburn falls to the Israel national team today by nine, the thing that I talked about in this upcoming season is it worries me that there's not a go-to shooter on this team. We obviously had Jabari Smith last year, but even then, I don't think he was used correctly and used as much as we should have. This year, my concern is as of right now, it is only August, but as of right now, there is no just go-to deathly shooter on this team. Do you agree with that, or is there somebody that you think can be that person? Yeah, I think I think right now the, the big thing is that you, you're not really sure who, who you're going to, and uh, especially from long range, you know, Wendell Green is the best three-point shooter on the team right now, but it's also one of those things where you need to see a little bit more consistency from him. And like you said, elsewhere, you've got guys that can shoot it, but it's not, it's not obviously everyone wants to think back to the Final Four team, so to Bryce Brown level or even Jared Harper level. Uh, I, I think that's, you know, going back to what I was talking about with Zeb Jasper, I think he's someone that, you know, he's not going to score a lot of points, but he needs to get confident with the shot, and he can become a player like that. Uh, other than that, who knows what Chance Westry can do uh, shooting the ball whenever he, he figures things out and is shooting. And you know, on Traylor, I think it's going to be your go-to offensive weapon, but it's a little bit different when you're talking about a big man. Uh, and I don't think he has the ability that Jabari Smith had last year. So it, it'll be interesting to see where Auburn goes to. And uh, some of the early season games, if they're close, we'll, we'll see what – uh, each of these guys has in them. Hillman, we've got a couple of more minutes before I let you get out of here. Let's talk some football because we are 26 days away from Auburn kicking off the season against Mercer. Uh, obviously, fall practice has begun and is underway. They've got a couple under their belt. What are some of the things that you have noticed and been hearing from fall practice so far for Auburn football? Yeah, I think that, the, I mean, from what, I, from what I've seen is the defense is uh, – playing like it should you know it, we knew going into this that the defense is going to be uh, the strong especially the defensive line and and how it usually goes is the, the defense is a little bit better than the offense uh, in these practices because it's early on and the defense kind of knows what's coming and I really like what I've seen how uh, turnovers have been created and uh, it seems like guys like Jeffrey Emba newcomers Marcus Bragg th- those guys are really stepping up and and making their name known on the practice field so uh the big thing with the defensive line was a little bit of the depth, I think. So um, having them go out there and do that and show that they're ready to play SEC football is it, just a big step in the right direction, and and we'll we'll see how they continue to develop. And obviously the offensive side, that that's just got to keep building up and building up, and eventually we'll know who the starting quarterback is, and that will tell us a lot more about what we're going to see from the Auburn offense this year. And Hillman, one more thing before I let you go. Over this next week or two, obviously we'll talk to you next week. 
what are some of the things you're looking for position-wise? Is it uh, for a position to step up and get even more um, production in this next week at practice? Is it you know the wide receivers or the offensive line, whoever it may be? What's that position that you're going to have your eye on over the next week or so? Yeah, you you really nailed it with the wide receivers right there because I think that that is the position group that. Uh, maybe is was le- it's been least consistent for Auburn over uh, a couple years, and uh, someone that Coach Harson and Coach Keesaw talked about in their uh, opening press conferences was Tavares Dawson Jr. That he's probably one of the most improved players uh, th- this season, from spring to summer and into fall. So if someone like that is able to really continue to do that and continue to improve and become an explosive playmaker then Auburn's in a great position because I think you've got plenty of guys that are capable, but it's just who's going to be the guy that comes out of nowhere and does something? Because we know Shed Jackson, we know Landon King, Coy Moore. I think those guys are various Johnson. Those guys are going to get there. They're, they're going to play well like they have been, and, and we expect Coy Moore to do. So I think having someone like Dawson come out of nowhere and, and, and really shine would be a big deal for this Auburn offense. So, uh, that's kind of the position group I'm looking for, and specifically him. Um, I want to see him really, really shine in those, especially those first two games where he's he's not going to be a starter unless he just really goes crazy in these practices. Um, he's going to have to come in um, throughout the rotation. So I'd, I'd like to see him really do well in those first two non-conference games. Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network here on this Monday afternoon, man. Thank you so much for your time. As always, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU, and look forward to speaking to you again next week. Maybe and hey, a full week of full week of practice we'll have down. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have some more football stuff to talk about. Maybe some position battles that are getting a little bit more clear. Uh, hopefully, we're staying away from injury stuff. I do not want to have to talk about that next week. But man, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you, Jacob. War Eagle. That was my conversation yesterday with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. A lot of good basketball talk, so I wanted to play that again, make sure everybody heard that great interview. We have him on every week. It's always fun talking with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. Let's take our final break, and we'll come back, wrap up this Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, you got me for a couple of more minutes, but stay tuned. It'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck right here on ESPN 106.7 from 4 to 6. So make sure you stay tuned for that. They'll get you caught up on everything going on around Auburn Athletics. Uh, They will get you some more information from practice today from Auburn football and and so much more so make sure you stay tuned it'll be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck right here on ESPN 106.7 well final take today is you know with everything going on with fall practice getting underway now that they have a couple of practices under their belt for Auburn football you know there's there's mixed feelings right now right and you know hearing and reading some stuff today that there were some drop passes a lot of quarterback work today right those are the things that I was seeing but at the same time you read the quotes from Brian Harson after practice and he had good things to say and overall what do you what do you be what do you believe and what do you buy into not that anybody's not telling the truth right this is all just opinion stuff on what you see and what you uh, are witnessing at practice but 
it's August, what today's August 9th, right? You still have 25 days until the season starts. You've got 25 days of practicing left before the season gets underway. Let's not buy into each individual practice because, look, some days are better than others. Some days are better than others for the team. Some days are better than others for a specific player. And whether it's a position group, player, whatever it may be, don't buy into it too much. It's fine, right? Everything's going to work out like it should. And look, you can, you can use whatever site, whatever media person you want to. That's totally fine. I don't care, right? But here's what I'm saying is let's not overreact every single day. And we can have this conversation every day between now and, and September 3rd, whatever practice, right? And there's always a storyline coming out of practice. There's always something to talk about that people want to harp on. And it seemed like today it was the quarterbacks and the receivers, right? That's sort of the storylines that we've seen and heard about coming out of today's practice. Quarterbacks got a lot of work. Uh, maybe some were playing better than others. Receivers may or may not, you know, dropping the ball. Timing may not have been there. Whatever it may be, that seems to be the storyline coming out of today. But it's just one practice, okay? It's just one practice. But what does concern me is if these are things that continue to happen over time, that is when you start to get worried. That's it for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'll be back tomorrow. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.